Chapter Seven of Delore by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven. Early the next morning we arose and took our departure for Gavarni. Mine host at Luz, however, drew me aside as we were setting out and said he hoped we had not suffered ourselves to be cheated by the capuchin or his companion, each of whom he was sure was a great rogue, and the capuchin, he believed, had no more of the monk about him than the gown and shaved head. "'Be cautious, be cautious,' said he, "'and if ever you meet them again, have nothing to do with them.' I thanked this candid host for his information, giving him at the same time to understand that he had better have warned me the night before, and that I took his tardy caution at no more than it was worth, after which I spurred on and joined Father Francis and Toussaint, who had not proceeded far on their journey ere I reached them. Our road to Gavani lay through scenery of that grand and magnificent nature which mocks the feeble power of language. The change was still from sublime to sublime, till the heart seemed to wake at its own expansion. The vast, the wonderful, the beautiful, the sweet, were spread around in dazzling confusion. The gigantic rocks and precipices, the profuse vegetation, the peculiar lustrous atmosphere of the mountains, the thousand rare and lovely flowers with which every spot of soil was carpeted and every rock adorned, the very butterflies which, fluttering about in thousands, seemed like flying blossoms, all occupied my mind with new and beautiful objects, till it was almost wearied with the exhaustless novelty. All was lovely, and yet I felt then, and always do feel, in such scenes, a degree of calm melancholy so undefined in its nature that I know not in what to seek its cause. Whether it is that man feels all the weaknesses and follies of his passions reproved by the calm grandeur of nature's vaster works, or whether his spirit, excited by the view of things so beautiful, seemed clogged and shackled by the clay to which she is joined, and longs to throw off those earthly trammels which circumscribe her powers to enjoy, to estimate, to comprehend, I know not. Had the scenery through which we passed needed a climax even more sublime than itself, it could not have been more exquisitely terminated than by the famous circle of Gavarni, where above an amphitheatre of black marble fourteen hundred feet in height, perpendicular as a wall, and sweeping round in extent of half a league, rises the icy summit of the Pyrenees, flashing back the rays of the sun in long beams of many-coloured lights. When we arrived in the centre of the amphitheatre, a light cloud was stretched across the top of the cascade, while the stream, shooting over the precipice above us, fell with one burst full fourteen hundred feet and before it reached the ground also spread out into another cloud gazing upon it as we did from a distance we saw it thus pouring on between the two without perceiving whence it came or whither it went so that the long-defined line of its waters streaming from the one indistinct vapour to the other offered no bad image of the course of mortal time flowing on between two misty eternities at the same time the bright diamond heads of the mountain shone out above the clouds with a grand unearthly lustre like those mighty visions of heaven seen by the inspired apostle at samos i could have gazed on it for ever 
but the evening light soon began to fail and as we had to rise early also the next morning our stay in the amphitheatre was necessarily curtailed winding round the little lakes that the stream forms after its fall we returned to the filthy hut in which we were to pass the night often looking back by the way to catch another glance of that grand and wonderful scene whose very remembrance makes every other object seem small and insignificant by sunrise we were once more upon our way and passing through what is called the porte de gavarni entered spain after having been examined from top to toe by the officers of the spanish custom-house a wide and wavy sea of blue interminable hills now presented themselves and a guide whom we had hired at gavarni pointed out a spot in the distance which he called saragossa had he called it jerusalem he might have done so uncontradicted by any object visible to our eyes for nothing was to be seen but hill beyond hill valley running into valley till the vast distance and the blue sky mingled together with scarcely a perceptible line to mark the division thitherward however we wended on and some hours after reached hucca where out of complaisance to father francis's mule we remained for the night and set off before daybreak the next morning hoping to escape the heat of the middle of the day in this we were deceived making less progress than we anticipated and enjoying the scorching of the meridian sun till we reached the gates of saragossa on arriving at the inn we inquired for the chevalier as we had been directed but found that he had ridden out early in the morning he returned however soon after and having welcomed us cordially to spain as no apartments could be procured in the house he led us out to seek for a lodging in the immediate neighbourhood it was some time before we could discover one to our mind for it is with great difficulty that the spaniards can be induced to receive any foreigner into their dwelling and even when we did so we had to undergo as strict an examination by the old lady of the house as we had bestowed upon her apartments she said it was but just that both parties should be satisfied she with us as well as we with her and not content with asking all manner of questions which had as much to do with her lodgings as with her hopes of heaven she actually turned me round to take a more complete view of my figure this was carrying the ridiculous to so high a point that i burst out into a fit of laughter which far from offending the good dame tickled her own organs of risibility and from that moment we were the best friends in the world our baggage being brought and it being agreed that we should eat at the posada with the chevalier nothing remained but to distribute the three chambers upon the same floor which constituted our apartments according to our various tastes as father francis sought more quiet than amusement he fixed upon the large room behind where he certainly could be quiet enough for if ever even the distant voice of an amorous cat on the housetop reached his solitude it must have been a far and a faint sound like the hymns of angels said to be heard by monks in the cells of a monastery Houssay took up with the small chamber between the two larger ones and i occupied the front room of a tall house in a narrow street whose extreme width of which might possibly be two ells nevertheless whatever was to be seen was to be seen from my window and my very first determination was to see as much of spain while i was in it as i possibly could 
At eighteen, one has very few doubts and very few fears, much passion and much curiosity, and, for my own part, I had resolved if I did not view the Spaniard in all situations, it should not be my fault. In short, by the time I arrived at Saragossa, I was willing to enter into any sort of adventure that might present itself, and though the memory of Helen might act as some restraint upon me, yet I am afraid I wanted that strong moral principle which ought ever to guide us in all our actions. I make this acknowledgment because I look upon these sheets to be a sort of confession, which, in making at all, I am bound to write truly, and though I shall not dwell upon any of those scenes of vice which might lead others by a mere detail into the very errors that I commemorate, be it remembered that I seek not to show myself at any period of my life as better or purer than I was. With regard to every feeling that came within the direct code of honour, or even its refinements, I had imbibed them from my earliest days. But I was a countryman of Henri IV, and not without a great share of that weakness which, in the gallant monarch, was redeemed by a thousand great and shining qualities. But the love of adventure was my principal failing, which is a sort of mental spirit-drinking, as hard to be overcome as the passion for strong waters itself. I know not why or how, but the Chevalier seemed to have an instinctive perception of my character, which almost frightened me, and while Father Francis was seeking in his bags for a parcel which Arnaud at Lourdes had entrusted to his care, my keen-sighted companion drew me to the window of the front chamber, and after having by a few brief observations on my disposition shown me that he saw into my bosom even more clearly than I did myself, he warned me of many of the dangers of a Spanish town. "'Remember, my dear Louis,' continued he, "'that I only tell you that such things exist. I do not tell you to avoid them. Your own good sense, as far as the good sense of a very young man can go, will tell you how to act.' and I am afraid that all men in this world must buy experience for themselves. For if an angel from heaven were to vouch its truths, they would not believe the experience of others. However, loving you as I do, and you do not know how much I love you, there is one thing I must exact. If you want advice, apply to me. If you want assistance, apply to me. If you want a sword to back your quarrel, you must seek none but mine. As he spoke, Father Francis entered the room with a look of much consternation and sorrow. "'I hope and trust,' said he, advancing to the Chevalier, "'that the packet which your procureur Arnaud entrusted to me for you is of no great value, for on my honour it has been stolen by someone out of my bags.' The pale cheek of the Chevalier grew a shade paler, and though no other emotion was visible, the one sign led me to think that the packet was of the utmost import, for never before did I see him yield the least symptom of agitation to any event whatever. "'I did expect,' replied he, in a calm, unshaken voice, "'some papers of much consequence, but I know not whether this packet you mention contained them. There is no use, my good father Francis, of distressing yourself upon the subject.' he added, seeing the very great pain which the accident had caused to the worthy old man. If by calling to mind the circumstances you can find a probability of its recovery, we will immediately take measures to effect it. If not, the packet is lost, and we will forget it. 
how it has been abstracted or when answered the good priest i know not on arriving at luce at the end of our first day's journey i opened my valise on purpose to put that package in safety wrapping it up with some small stock of money that i had laid by for the purpose of doing alms but both are gone stolen for the sake of the money said the chevalier shutting his teeth and compressing his lips as if to master the vexation he felt well proceeded he with a sigh it is in vain we struggle against destiny for sixteen years i have been seeking those papers but always by some unfortunate accident they have been thrown out of my reach destiny wills not that i shall have them and i will give it up and what do you mean by destiny my dear son demanded father francis with the anxious haste of an enthusiastic man who fancies he discovers some great error or mistake in a person he esteems many people allow their energies to be benumbed and even their religion by a theory of fatalism which has its foundation in a great mistake it appears to me my good father replied the chevalier with a smile that fate grasps us as it were in a cleft stick as i have seen many a boor catch a viper there we may struggle as much as we like but we are fixed down and cannot escape nay nay said father francis it is denying the goodness of god every one must feel within himself the power of choosing whatever way or whatever conduct he thinks fit a man standing at a spot where two roads separate does he not always feel within himself the power to follow whichever he likes and yet perhaps death lies on the one road and good fortune on the other but if he is destined to die that day that day will he die replied the chevalier and if you allow that god foresees which the traveller will take of course he must take it and his free will is at an end nay my son not so replied the old man what you call foresight is in the deity what memory would be in man if it were perfect it is knowledge standing in the midst of eternity all is present to the eye of god and he knows what man will do as well as what man has done but that does not imply that man has not the liberty of choice for it is his very own choice that conducts him to the results which god already knows when a lizard runs away frightened from before your footsteps you may know positively that it will fly to its hole but your knowledge does not affect its purpose nor would it if your knowledge was as certain as omniscience if you ask me why if man's choice will be bad the omnipotent does not will it to be good i say it is to leave him that very freedom of choice which you deny father if there were no evil in the world morally or physically and it would be easy to show that one cannot exist without the other what would the world be there would be no virtue because there could be no possibility of vice there would be no passions because there would be nothing to excite them there would be no wishes because privation being an ill no desire for anything could possibly exist there could be no motion for the movement of one thing would displace another which was in its proper place before there would be no action for there being neither passions nor wishes nothing would prompt action in short the argument might be carried on to show that the universe would not be and that the whole would be god alone 
no one will deny that the least imperfection is in itself evil and that without god created what was equal to himself which implies as far as the act of creation goes a mathematical impossibility whatever he created must have been subject to imperfection and consequently would admit of evil evil once admitted all the rest follows and if any one dare to ask why then god created at all let him look round on the splendid universe the thousand magnificent effects of divine love of divine bounty and of divine power and feel himself rebuked for thinking that such attributes could slumber unexerted but said the chevalier it appears to me that your argument militates against the first principle of our religion the divinity of christ for you say it implies an impossibility that god should create what was equal to himself christ was not created replied the priest and laying his hand on his breast he bowed his head reverently repeating the words of scripture this is my only begotten son in whom i am well pleased whether the chevalier retained his own opinions or not i cannot tell but most probably he did for certain it is that nothing is more difficult to find in any man than the faculty of being convinced however he dropped the subject and never more to my knowledge resumed it father francis whose whole heart was mildness and humility began to fancy after a few minutes that he had been guilty of some presumption in arguing so boldly on the secrets of providence god forgive me said he if i have done irreverently in seeking as far as my poor intellect could go to demonstrate by simple reasoning that which we ought to receive as a matter of faith but often in my more solitary hours in thinking over these subjects i would find a degree of obscurity and confusion in my own ideas which impelled me to endeavour to clear and to arrange them i am convinced you did very right my good father replied the chevalier and that one great object in the good regulations of one's mind is to obtain fixed principles on every subject which comes under our review carrying to the examination an ardent desire for truth and to religious inquiries that profound reverence and humble diffidence of human reason that so deep and so important a subject imperatively requires here dropped the conversation leaving both parties better satisfied with each other than usually happens after any discussion but more especially where religion is at all involved End of chapter seven